I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. We are recording this on a Sunday night, and uh, it's either coming to you Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, so uh, some interesting things could happen between now and then. But the Steelers Draft Fix is here to provide you with information about the Steelers offseason and specifically how the Steelers are preparing for the draft. My name is Jeremy Betts. Glad to be back with you, and I've got... Andrew Wilbar with me as always. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. This podcast is published. We're only going to have nine days left until the NFL draft, which is just crazy to think about. It seems like just yesterday we were, you know, looking at mock draft 1.0. We were just diving into these prospects, just brushing over them really quickly. But now we're into the thick of it. We're almost there. So it's exciting to see what's going to happen. It is. It's so close. You can feel it uh, in the air as we see information about these teams and what they're kind of honing in on and focusing in on. We're starting to see some uh, rumors and rumblings come into play. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But first, Andrew, um, you just released your uh, mock draft 4.0. You went four rounds deep in this draft, picking for every team. And I got to say, it was it was very well done, uh, in my opinion. I thought it was great. I thought the Steelers' selections were both interesting and very believable. And uh, I'd love to hear, um, before we get to, to the Steelers' actual selections from your mock, uh, first off, tell people where they can find your mock draft, and then tell us some of your most interesting or favorite picks from uh, your four-round draft. We'll just go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I believe it published on Friday. Only reason I remember that is because I pulled all nighter on Thursday night. So I remember proofreading this in the middle of the night going on no sleep for quite a while, but it was 
it was very interesting. I mean, I do always try to think somewhat outside the box, but now I'm using the rumors that I'm hearing and trying to assemble them and try to make sense of it in a mock draft. And with the Steelers, obviously we've known that the Steelers are interested in Malik Willis, but I had the Steelers trading up two spots to get him. And the reason being is because Tennessee has shown subtle interest in Malik Willis. I do not know why. I don't know if maybe they're not completely sold on Ryan Tannehill, but they just brought in Malik Willis for a pre-draft visit. You don't generally see a team not that we don't consider in need of a quarterback bringing in a first-round quarterback who's arguably the top quarterback in the draft, someone who's probably going to be off the board by the time they pick. So could Tennessee look to move up and get him? I kind of doubt it, but I wouldn't rule it out. And then, of course, you have New Orleans at 19. Of course, they pick with their – they pick again at 15, uh, 15 or 16. So they could obviously get the quarterback with that first pick. But just to move up, I think it's more of a defensive pick, a defensive trade up per se, and making sure that nobody else moves up one spot ahead of the Steelers to go and get Will. So they move up a couple spots to secure him. Uh, but that was probably the most interesting of the selections. After that, Logan Hall, a little bit outside the box. Uh, but the Steelers still don't have clarity on whether Stefan Tuitt is going to come back. More, I believe, was off the board at pick 50. The Chiefs, if I remember right, I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe that's where I had him going. Uh, the, a lot of the receivers were off the board. There weren't a whole lot of good options uh, at corner either. So I gave the Steelers Logan Hall there. He's not completely filled out yet, but he's got a long frame, could develop into a really good five technique. Uh, I think that's the ideal role for him. I, that would be a little bit high, in my opinion. I, I have a third round grade on him right now. Uh, but interesting selection. Uh, and then, of course, then I addressed offense uh, in round three again with one of your guys that you really like, Taekwon Thornton. Mm, yes. Yeah, some speed there um, that the Steelers desperately need at the wide receiver position. Um, I, you know, I was I was very intrigued by the Willis pick in the first round because I think that we, we might see this type of trend. And I don't know if you're going to uh, get to this with draft rumblings or not, but when we go over that, but it, it seems like that the teams that could use a quarterback that are drafting early could forego the position with that first pick, Detroit, Carolina, Atlanta, um, Seattle, teams like that. They could forego taking a quarterback with that pick and then trade back into or up in the first round from the second or in the back half of it to uh snag one of those quarterbacks and if that happens you got to think the Steelers are looking to make their move too uh, because the the price for Willis Pickett whoever they're targeting is going to have dropped dramatically if they're not having to trade up into the top five or even the top 10 to go get him so you know that that to me is a very likely scenario that I could see happening and uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with with that mock there and I know you're going to do one more mock draft um, the morning of the of Thursday, uh, April 28th, right? Correct. Seven rounds, 262 picks. I believe that's 262 picks, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So it's everything for the entire draft. All right. We'll be looking for that, Steelers fans, on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. This podcast and others are available to you from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Don't forget to check all of those out. Uh, Andrew, we're going to transition into some draft rumors, some draft rumblings that you've been hearing. I've heard a few as well. Just kind of uh, the direction that we're seeing teams maybe tip their hand a little bit or even uh, insiders pointing to uh, directions that some of these teams will go. 
Uh, let's start with uh, a couple from you. Uh, what are you hearing uh, on Twitter and uh, in the sources that you go to for information? Well, just from a couple people that I've listened to, it does not sound – we were talking about the quarterbacks a minute ago. The quarterbacks, are, I think, are going to go lower than what most people thought. Every year we always talk about quarterbacks getting pumped up and getting right. pushed up the board higher. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. You may see a team or two trade up into the late first round to get somebody. But I think one of these guys that we considered a a surefire first-round pick could potentially slide completely out of the first round. And Mach 4.0, I got a lot of flack for having Kenny Pickett outside of round one. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'll probably move him back up into round one for my final mock draft. But Matt Corral could slip out of round one. Desmond Ritter, he seems to be the hot name. I think he's probably the third quarterback to go right now after Pickett and Willis. Maybe he even goes ahead of Pickett, depending on the team and schematic fit. But I don't think you're going to see quarterbacks going up near as high. I definitely don't think you see more than one go inside the top 10. And I, at this point, I'd almost be shocked if any do. Seattle's looking at Baker Mayfield. Carolina, we talked about, they seem to be looking at offensive tackle or looking to trade back. So if they take a quarterback, I think they either trade outside the top 10, trade back, or they spend a first-round pick from next year and move back into the first round later, which I had them, I believe I had them doing in this mock draft. Um, so that's another possibility. Then on receivers, really quickly, two rumors. Drake London, as you know, I had him outside the top 10 going to Houston, I believe, with the 13th pick. I'm hearing that Drake London and Jamison Williams could both go ahead of London, not so much because of what uh, something that London has done outside of the fact that he's had an injury and hasn't been able to do much in the pre-draft process, but Garrett Wilson tested better than some people expected, and Jamison Williams, his recovery is going a lot better than what people had expected. I'm hearing, uh, I mean, Chris Mortensen reported that Jameson Williams, he's hearing, is going to go inside the top 10, which is a lot higher than what we expected. And then, of course, Garrett Wilson, there's a lot of smoke surrounding him mm-hmm. and his fit with the Falcons at pick eight. So if those two receivers go, let's say, eight and 10, now where does Drake London go? Does he fall to 13? Does he fall further than that? Should the Steelers consider moving up if he falls to 15 or 16? Just a conversation to have. And then one later round guy that's moving up boards, Samari Toure, wide receiver, Nebraska. He had five confirmed meetings with teams last week. And I believe he's going to have a couple more this week. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I had a late round grade on him. I'm going to have to go back to the tape because from what I'm hearing, there's a good chance he gets into that third, fourth round range. That's very interesting to me, um, the wide receiver side of things, because every year we kind of see a group of guys that can't really separate themselves from each other as far as talent-wise. And then you're just looking at style as far as which team picks who first. So this could go any number of directions, obviously. But for the Steelers' situation, I think uh, they'll they'll have to be careful because their picks are spread so far apart that they don't get caught um, with a run at a position group happening uh, between their picks and then them missing out on a, on a talent that they've got their eye on. So um, I would not be surprised if the Steelers reach for a wide receiver a little bit in round two, uh, maybe even round three, because of that type of situation happening. Um, it's very likely that you get uh, you get through the first round and maybe there's four or five wide receivers taken and, um, you know, teams are taking edge rushers and um, offensive linemen a, a little bit quicker. And then round two hits and boom, you've got, 16 wide receivers coming off the board on day two and the Steelers are on the outside looking in at a top prospect. It's very interesting to me that that could happen. 
one wide receiver I've got my eye on is uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, we talked about him on our last episode, not the interview episode, but the one before that, um, where I thought that uh, he kind of reminded me of a Heinz Ward in style, just a, a big physical wide receiver who will not be denied after the catch, a very Steeler-like player. He, to me, after the testing um, going poorly for him and, and guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, you know, showing out in the testing and having good tape already, you know, teams are – those Ohio State guys, watch out for them. They're going to go quick, I think. But uh, teams will be more likely to pass on Burks, I think, in the early portion, the early half of the first round. He's a guy I could see sliding into the 20s range, kind of like you're saying with Drake London, maybe the late teens, early 20s. And in that case, those are two very intriguing options for a Steelers team that needs some uh, wide receiver help going into this season. Um, the other n- news I'm kind of hearing, and I, I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, and I really enjoy that podcast because they're former scouts who really dive into these players. They know these guys, and they seem to think that um, the Panthers would be more inclined to take Kenny Pickett over Malik Willis because Kenny Pickett's the more win now uh, NFL ready prospect. So that was intriguing to me too. So even if the Panthers do decide to hit quarterback early, maybe at number six, they're going pick it because Matt rules in line for a potential removal. If he does not uh, put together a winning team this year, and maybe the best way to do that is to bring in a guy like Pickett over a guy like Willis or, um, Corral or Ritter, somebody like that, that they might uh, think about trading back into the first round for. And maybe Pickett um, lasts that long and they still end up doing that. But I would not be surprised if it's Pickett to the Panthers instead of one of these other guys. All right, uh, Andrew, any more rumblings you're hearing? No, those are the main ones for this week. Hopefully we'll be able to get into a couple more next week. Sounds good. All right, let's jump into the real reason we're here tonight. We're going to talk some defensive backs. And first off, we're going to do some safety sorting. Uh, Andrew, we're going to talk about your top five guys. And we talked about this before we started uh, recording tonight, that um, the safety group is very interesting because you could see several of these top five guys, uh, maybe even uh, numbers four and five, three, four and five, going in the second or even falling into the third round. Uh, fourth round even because of the um, lack of emphasis placed on that position across league circles. So I'm curious to know who your top five guys are, and then we'll talk about who we think could be on the Steelers' radar out even outside of the first round. So let's start with your top five guys. Start with number five and work your way up. My number five guy is Lewis Seen. I don't think the Steelers are going to show much interest in him because he's the, probably the best pure free safety in this class. Of course, the Steelers are looking more at strong safety. I believe they're going. I don't think they're going to move Minka Fitzpatrick around. He's going to stay at free safety. Uh, good athlete, guy who's starting to get some late first round buzz, but not a guy I think the Steelers pay a whole lot of attention to. Okay, yeah, uh, I like a uh, scene because of um, his instincts and his physicality for free safety, but he is definitely better suited for that. Um, as we keep going through these guys, I'm sure we'll find a couple guys that are more in line with what the Steelers are looking at. Who's your number four guy? My number four guy is Jaquan Brisker. Because he has local ties, maybe the Steelers take a look at him if he's available pick 52. 
uh, but he's very physical coming downhill. He can hit hard. Uh, he has good athleticism overall. Um, there's something that his game is missing, and I can't lay my finger on it. I've watched a decent bit of Brisker, and I don't know whether it is just not breaking on the ball quite quick enough or if it is just something instinctually that's not completely there yet. He has a lot of talent. Um, taking, I do, I will say that he needs to learn to take a better tackling angles. There's a few times he goes for the big blow when he just needs to wrap up, make a more sound tackle. He's missed a couple tackles trying to just make that big hit. And then, you know, the receivers bounce back off and been able to create a few extra yards. So those are a couple of things he needs to clean up, but still overall high upside safety you can get in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. Great value in the second round for a player of his caliber, for sure. Who you got at number three? Number three is Jalen Petrie, and I'd probably say that he's probably the best fit for what the Steelers need on day two, just because he is a he's a pure strong safety. He has blitzing ability. He had three and a half sacks this past year. He had 18 and a half tackles for loss, which is incredible for a safety. He can move around and even play in the nickel a little bit if you want him to. He's not an elite athlete, but he's sufficient. He's very good. Um, he's a good tackler. He's sound, very good instinctually, good communicator, just a good guy you'd want to have on the defense. Again, the reason I'm not all on board is because I don't want the Steelers to waste a pick on safety. It's not an incredibly right. strong group, and we see how little the safeties are getting paid. I mean, Terrell Edmonds at this point, is he really going to sign for any more than 3 or $4 million? I don't think so. So I really – I, I truly believe that's the best thing for the Steelers to do, not to bring in a safety, because there's a whole lot of other positions the Steelers could address on day two. But if they go on day two, which I wouldn't be a fan of, I would say Jalen Petrie would be my guy. Yeah, he's he's a long, big, long player too. And I think the Steelers value that at the safety position. I kind of agree with you there. If the Steelers can address this before the draft, that would be ideal because Edmonds is such a good system fit for them. And to be perfectly honest, is vastly underrated by Steeler Nation. And we need to get off that ship and on board with the Terrell Edmonds is a is a good football player who uh, has fit the billing as a late first-round safety, maybe early second-round safety if you're a stickler about the position value. But uh, Edmonds has lived up to what the Steelers drafted him to be. It took a little time, but he is that player. And despite – his lack of interest on the open market, I think the Steelers would be uh, wise to bring him back and eliminate that position as a, hey, we need to find a, a starting caliber or a, at least somebody to compete for the starting strong safety spot early in the draft. That would free them up to go another direction. That would be uh, much better for the franchise overall. Um, who's your number two guy? My number two guy is my Michigan man, Daxton Hill. And believe it or not, I don't think the gap is very big anymore between him and Kyle Hamilton. We continue to see Kyle Hamilton falling partially because of positional value, but also, you know, he's not a true difference maker. He didn't have a ton of turnovers during this time at Notre Dame. And obviously that some speed concerns now he plays faster than what he timed, yeah. but still four, five, nine is not near as good as what you were expecting, especially from someone who's a projected top five pick at the time. But Daxton Hill, he's really good slot cornerback, and I think he's going to play there more in the NFL than anywhere else. But he can play free safety. He could even play strong safety, but he's primarily a free safety who's going to play a lot of nickel cornerback, very aggressive, very fast, very fluid in his uh, lateral movement skills. 
a guy that I really liked during his time at Michigan. He was a big difference maker in that secondary. I think he's going to be the same in the NFL. Does he remind you of Jabril Peppers at all? Not really. Jabril Peppers was a little bit more of the strong safety linebacker hybrid mold. Daxton okay. Hill's a little bit smaller than Peppers. I think Peppers was a little bit more versatile, a little bit more dynamic of an athlete. Hill is fast, good straight line athlete, mm-hmm. um, a guy who can still come downhill and hit hard. Peppers was just on a different level. And I think, uh, I, I mean, I was shocked how low he went in that draft. Right. And I was shocked how little he made the open market. One year, $5 million deal with the Patriots. And again, I think it just comes back to the positional value of safeties. I mean, it's a valuable position, but it's not a position like left tackle or edge rusher that's, you know, extremely important and crucial for you to be a championship caliber team. I mean, we saw what the Seahawks did with Jamal Adams. He just didn't do enough to change that defense on his own. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at a guy like Jabril Peppers, I mean, he was he was fantastic last year with the Giants. I don't know why uh, he went for so little, but um, I think Jackson Hill is a different type player. But if you're talking in terms of like tier rankings in the NFL, I think Hill has the chance of reaching the same level that Peppers has attained. I just think it's going to be in a different role. Sure. Adam Rank of NFL.com thinks he could be the – uh, D-R-O-Y, Defensive Rookie of the Year, if the Steelers were to draft him. He has that much faith in his ability. And, uh, you know, watching him on tape, very instinctive guy who gets to the ball or the ball carrier before most others would. I, he just has that knack. Kind of like the opposite of Brisker, he's kind of there already. And Brisker seems to be just a little bit um, late making that final decision. Maybe he's contemplating or he's thinking too much or whatever, but um, it seems to be the opposite with Daxon Hill. He seems to be uh, on the spot a little bit quicker than Brisker. Uh, You mentioned him already as your number one guy, but tell us a little bit about Kyle Hamilton, why you see him falling a little bit and, uh, but what you like about him as well. Hamilton, he's, I mean, he could play linebacker if you really wanted him to. He's long. He can cover a lot of ground because of that length. I think his lack of elite straight line speed, it he makes up for it with his length. Uh, very versatile piece. He can come downhill. He's phenomenal tackler. He can come downhill and play the run. He did have three interceptions this past year, um, but he's not a guy that closes on the ball extremely quickly. He trusts his length to be able to make up ground for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy, I'm not sure where I'm going to have him ranked on the final board. He may still be in my top 10 prospects but he's not a guy that I see as a generational talent. Like some people are saying. Sure. And uh, you know, he'll, he'll be one of the more polarizing prospects on day one of the draft as we see uh, selections taken off the board. Um, Let's move on to some of the day two and day three guys that um, we like, I'll go ahead and start out um, (laughs) and I'll start out. I think I know where this one's going. Right. Uh, That noise you heard is me pounding the table. For Nick Cross, if the Steelers are going to go after safety in on day two, to me it's got to be Cross because even though in college he was used more at free safety than at strong safety, his size translates to strong safety, and his speed allow and his speed and fluidity on the back end, his ability to read the offense and make a play on the football. Uh, really allows for the position flexibility that I think the Steelers would love to have on the back end with their safeties a little more than maybe what Terrell Ed- Edmonds gives them, um, which is why I think we've seen them keep a level of interest in the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, throughout this process instead of uh, those rumors being laid to rest. 
Um, a player like that with that kind of range, like a Nick Cross, if you watch him on tape, he's got incredible range. Uh, and I've talked about him way too much already uh, on this show and other shows too. But the guy just uh, – he makes plays. He's, to me, um, the only safety I would really like to see the Steelers draft because I think he'll be available in round three. I really do. Um, and I think that he's starting level safety value in a round three uh, – at a round three pick, and that is incredible value. Uh, to me. So I like Nick Cross on day two. Um, I know you're not as high on him as, as I am, but you got to like what you see on film and what you saw him test as, but who do you have uh, on day two that you could see as a potential fit for the Steelers? Maybe one of the guys we've already talked about. If the Steelers were to trade back into the later portions of the third round, I really wouldn't have a problem with cross if the Steelers don't address it in free agency. It's not so much that I dislike cross. He is inexperienced. I don't think he's going to be a huge contributor in year one, but there's a lot of talent. And I, I think it just really all comes back down to the fact that I really don't want to have to address it at all in the draft. Uh, But Nick Ross, definitely a guy. I mean, especially with his Maryland ties, it wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers pulled the trigger on him on day two. I just really hope it's not at 52. If they do take him, I hope it's in the third round, not Mm -hmm. the second, like some mock drafts are now saying. Sure. Absolutely. Um, we talked Jalen Petrie a little bit. Um, did you have anybody else on day two that you can see the Steelers going after? Not really. Okay. All right. So let's go to day three. Um, I've got a couple guys in mind, but I want to hear what you got first. Um, well, let's start off with just the two guys that have ties to the Steelers and that's Isaiah Pullamau and Quentin Lake. And I'm not just saying these names because they're, they have the ties with the Steelers organization because of Troy Pomelo and Quentin, uh, Carnell Lake, but with Paul Mao, he hits hard. And I was watching some more of his tape this weekend. So easy to fall in love with this game because he hits hard. He has decent ball skills. Um, he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't have the opportunities to create plays on the ball this year because he was utilized in a different way. I think in the NFL, if you move him to strong safety, he adds a five or ten pounds. If he can keep the same four or five speed that he has right now. I think he can make it. He needs to add a little bit more weight to his frame, and then he can come down even more, play the run more. He's already really good against the run, coming downhill and making plays. He can play a little bit of man, a little bit of zone, um, not elite in any one area in terms of coverage, but he has room to grow. I still think he's learning, still relatively young, a guy that I would love to bring in the sixth or seventh round. I believe Jordan Reed had him like in the seventh round of his mock draft. If the Steelers can get him in the seventh round, I'd totally be on board with it just because of the upside and the fact that I believe he has the versatility to play strong or free safety, a guy that you'd want to have. Maybe things don't work out with Carl Joseph. Isaiah Pullman is a guy who maybe start on the practice squad year one and develop into a really good depth piece. And maybe even, I'm not going to say he's going to become a starter, but he does have starter upside. And then Quentin Lake, of course, the guy we talked to. Yes. And I know you enjoyed the interview just as much as I did. Um, he's not the most dynamic athlete, but he's very good instinctually. Um, and he plays a little bit faster, especially when he's coming downhill. He mm-hmm. has a little bit better play speed than what he timed. And really, he bringing on, what, four, five, four, five, seven, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like cornerback where it's like, okay, this guy's completely limited to zone. I mean, it's safety. It's You run a four, five, seven, it's not great, but it's, it's a bearable time. I think he also has starter upside, lower end starter upside. But I think he's going to be a really good backup at the beginning of his career who contributes a lot on special teams. And obviously the bloodline's, Mm-hmm. And bloodlines are important. And we see a lot of guys that have ties to former NFL players succeed in the NFL. And I believe there is something to it. Just having, uh, just being that same blood. 
um, and having that same talent inside the family, I think it's real. Um, so I'll get your, I'd like to get your thoughts on either of those two guys. And I have one other guy I'll get to late, late, late on day three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as uh, late goes, I thought uh, you and I both noticed in his combine performance that he was a very fluid mover. He had uh, quick, uh, quick hips and uh, quick feet. Um, in his back pedal, he got out of his brakes really quick, um, was able to to stay pretty low and and, you know, cut the direction he was being pointed to uh, by the coaches there at the combine. Uh, I think he reacts well. He moves fluidly. And I think that that, that helps him. Um, he doesn't have to worry about training in that regard so much. And he can focus on learning a defense and getting comfortable with the speed of the game. Um, I, I really like his upside there. Um, and then uh, for Palomao, I really think you hit the nail on the head when you said big hitter, explosive uh, at the point of attack. That's his calling card. Uh, strong safety is definitely his, his uh, position. And I think that that could be attractive to the Steelers down the road. And is there a guy more respected from – recent Steelers history than Troy Polamalu. I don't think so. Isaiah has, you know, that bloodline in him. And I, I could see the Steelers pulling the trigger pretty, pretty easily on that. Uh, you had a late guy you were going to mention real quick. Yeah. Trenton Morrow. You probably never heard of him from Siena Heights university. Mm-hmm. Siena Heights is a division three school from my home city of Adrian, Michigan. And he's an Ohio native of course, went to college at Siena Heights division, excuse me, I believe it's the division two, not division three, my bad. Um, he had a really productive season in 2020. Didn't make as many splash plays in 2021, but in 2020, he had uh, five interceptions, three passes defended, a forced fumble and four tackles for loss, including two sacks. So he does have some blitzing ability, can play free or strong. I believe he's going to start off as a free safety, he's six foot four. He ran in the four fives, but he had a solid three cone time. I believe it was like in the seven ones. Uh, which is really solid for a safety of his length, his size. Just a late round guy. Probably, I don't think he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to go undrafted. But a guy that you could bring in potentially, he could make the practice club. Yeah, he. That sounds very interesting to me. I haven't uh, heard of him yet. I'll. You'll have to send me some information about him, and I'll look at him too. Uh, speaking of six foot four guys, I like a guy named Sterling Weatherford out of Ben Roethlisberger's alma mater, uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, Weatherford six foot four. I think he weighs in close to 230 pounds. He's a big boy that has played a lot on the back end. He's very, very raw, but a guy I, I could see the Steelers liking the physical attributes of, uh, and maybe there's a little kick from Roethlisberger saying, Hey, draft this, uh, Miami of Ohio guy. I don't know. We'll see, but Sterling Weatherford, a name to keep an eye on. And I like Indiana's, uh, Marcelino McCrary ball as well. Check this guy out. Um, check his profile and everything. He is built. I mean, the guy is a rock, and he hits like it. He delivers blows like it. The Steelers would like his physicality. He's a Steeler-type player uh, that you could find in the latter portion of the draft as well. Maybe not as fast as some. Neither of these guys that I've mentioned here have a lot of straight-line speed, but they can make up with it, make up for it with uh, physicality and length. Uh, and uh, so two guys that I really think could be on uh, good draft picks for whoever picks them up could be our Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at an article that came out uh, 
on Saturday on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com uh, by a writer you might have heard of. And uh, then we're going to deep dive into the cornerback position. Don't go anywhere, Steeler Nation. We will be right back with more Steelers Draft Fix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. back in better than ever but we are not mike and mike this is jeremy and andrew i'm andrew he is jeremy and you may be wondering why i am bringing us back from the break the mm-hmm. reason being is because jeremy had an interesting article that ran this weekend on behind the steel curtain.com your one-stop shop for all things pittsburgh steelers and he ranked the qbs based on the likelihood that the steelers select them so jeremy i'm curious to get your thoughts how do you have these guys ranked and how do you come to this conclusion Okay, so I took a look at what the Steelers have on the roster, what the rumor mill has been circulating about what they're looking for in their next quarterback. And I also looked at what they have drafted in style and, um, you know, the, the type of quarterback that they have looked at in the past that they have been successful with and that they have uh, – spent their uh, just-in-case picks uh, on the last few years as well. It's a very interesting group of guys, and that's how I came to the conclusion of how I rank these guys. When you read the article, they're not going to be listed in the actual ranking, but I I had them listed as far as uh, where I think they could be selected. So, like, um, I had Willis listed first, followed by Pickett, followed by Ritter, Corral, Howell and then Carson Strong was last. We'll talk about all of these guys just real quick, but the, I listed them that way. But you'll notice that I, I put beside each one what I thought the likelihood of the Steelers uh, submitting their card for that player was, and where I think that they would make that move as well. So that's kind of how I got to the process of selecting um, from these six guys who I thought that the Steelers would be most interested in. Now, when going through this, was there a certain trait that you were looking at that made you think that the Steelers would consider a certain quarterback over other guys? I think this year the Steelers are going to probably take a flyer on, a, on an athletic guy because it's not a group of guys that has a surefire, this guy's going to be um, a top 10 quarterback in the next two or three years after he has grown accustomed to the NFL game. So uh, I think they take a flyer because they're looking for a guy with some athletic upside to be able to run a Matt Canada system and give them a little bit more in the uh, rushing game to complement Najee Harris out of the backfield. 
So that's why um, I had uh, Malik Willis as their most likely guy to draft if he's available for them at a pick where they would comfortably be willing to move up or just take him at 20 if he were to last there. I think that's the most likely scenario. That's the most likely quarterback that they would walk away with in this draft if they were to walk away with with any at all. Uh, to me, that that is the the guy that I think that they would go for. If he's not available to them, if he's been picked already, if um, if that happens, then I think you could see the Steelers um, draft a guy late as opposed to one of these top six guys uh, that are making the headlines and uh, projected as potential one day one or day two picks. So do you want to uh, go real quickly just how you kind of ha- did end up finishing and having these guys ranked? Yeah, okay, so Willis was number one uh, for most likely – um, and we talked about him already. I have Ritter at number two, uh, and the reason being the Steelers could see a Mal- Malik Willis gone, a Kenny Pickett gone, um, maybe the wide receivers that they would be interested in already gone, and they don't want to reach for that position because they are comfortable with their ability to draft it later. Uh, that's just my thought about the organization and how they'll – keep that mindset. I think they could be kind of locked in at quarterback. Um, And so Desmond Ritter at number 20 makes a lot of sense as a, Hey, we're going to reach on this guy because he's not going to be available again. When we pick at 52, we don't really want to trade up for him uh, in round two. So let's just go ahead and take him at 20 or, you know, maybe they feel pretty confident that they could get him later on in the, in the, in the first round. So they trade back. Uh, in any case, I think that's a realistic scenario for Pittsburgh to see uh, Desmond Ritter, a seasoned um, collegiate quarterback, a guy with four years of starting experience, uh, a leader, and a guy with some of the physical tools that they would like um, to see on their team. Uh, he was uh, my second most likely guy. Carson Strong in round two or three, is next for me because I see him as the big arm, big body quarterback that the Steelers have have had and been successful with um, most since Terry Bradshaw, a, a, a big uh, physical player. Uh, Terry Bradshaw was called the Blonde Bomber. He was a big, tall quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is Big Ben. They drafted Jarvis. Uh, excuse me. They drafted Landry Jones. I almost said Jarvis Landry. Landry Jones. They drafted Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, they, they brought in some mobile guys like Dennis Dixon and, um, uh, Joshua Dobbs, uh, the most recent one to kind of mix things up a little bit, but prototypically they've been big arms, big bodies at quarterback and strong kind of fits that mold. And, uh, he's got some upside to be the best pure passer coming out of this draft. I really, I really see that. And then following uh strong, I had um, I had Sam Howell from North Carolina and then Kenny Pickett. I want to talk about Kenny Pickett for just a second because this is going to catch some people by surprise, especially Pitt fans that are also Steelers fans. Um, Pickett to me is too much like what they already have in the building in Trubisky. And the reason I say that is uh, a guy who has pocket mobility and some rushing ability as well. He's not going to run away from anybody, but he's got that ability. Um, accuracy issues um, at times, but 
guys that were one year wonders in college and you know Trubisky's got some stuff left to prove but they really just match up too well I don't I don't think that the Steelers will want to have another Trubisky in the room with them so I think that's why they uh, forego selecting Kenny Pickett at any point in this draft even if he were to fall into the second round I just don't feel like he's on their in their plans and I may be totally wrong about that and you know I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't want him to be the Steelers pick but uh, Kenny Pickett just seems like uh, a little too close to Trubisky in style to be what they're looking for. Um, and then finally, I have Matt Corral at number six. I think he's the least likely uh, to be taken. Um, his size, his stature, and then um, the lack of true, a uh, truly big arm. He really does have leadership um, going for him, so that's something that could attract them, but I just don't see him being a part of their plans. That's why I had him ranked last in the quarterback rankings based on selection likelihood that's a weird way to say it but that's the best i could come up with right now so check out that article on behind the steel curtain.com how was that andrew you think that explained it pretty well yeah absolutely i would have probably swapped sam howell and carson strong just because the steelers have shown more interest in how sure. uh, but that's a really good list i think we both agree corrals kind of off the board jerry dulock had one report about kenny pickett but i don't necessarily trust that report that was a while back saying that if, you know, if he's a 20, the Steelers are going to take him. I kind of doubt it. Could be wrong though. Maybe the Steelers can be more subtle about him since he does have local ties and they don't have to make it so public mm-hmm. uh, with their interest in Kenny Pickett, but yep. very good list. Very insightful article. It was very interesting. Take not a typical article that you see from just the national pundits. It was an interesting take. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I enjoyed writing it. It was a lot of fun. I love uh, talking to these quarterbacks. It's a big time of change for Pittsburgh and, uh, one of these guys, I think, uh, is very likely to be a Pittsburgh Steeler in the next couple of weeks. And uh, at in that case, we're going to see what they can bring to the table. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Let's move on from quarterbacks, which has been the dominant talk of the offseason. And let's deep dive the cornerbacks. Andrew, let's go fairly quickly with this. We don't have a lot of time left, but we'll we'll get you some names here to take a look at. Uh, real quick, Andrew, just uh, give me your top five guys. and. Um, an interesting thing about them that you think could be attractive, an attractive trait uh, of each guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers to take a look at. Number five, I have Kyrie Elam from Florida, more of a zone corner, not the type of corner I want, not going to waste time on him. Trent McDuffie, uh, he's scheme versatile, uh, but not the highest upside corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may even transition to safety. Uh, I hear the Minnesota Vikings are really high on him. Tony Pauline has reported that. Not a guy I'm really interested in either. Derek Stingley, I don't think the Steelers take him just because after last year, we saw how the Steelers avoided guys that opted out of the COVID year. And of course, not only did Stingley opt out of the COVID year, but last year he was injured. So we haven't seen him play much in two years. So even if he happened to fall to the Steelers at 20, which I kind of doubt, I don't think the Steelers would take him. He doesn't seem to be the type of player they would take. Uh, Andrew Booth is my number two corner, who's the guy I absolutely love. Um, And I like Stingley as well with his upside. I like all three of the top corners, but Booth, uh, if he fully recovers uh, from his sports hernia surgery, which I believe he will, he has just as much upside as any corner in this class. He's a true lockdown number one corner, I believe, in the right system, as long as you allow him to play a lot of man coverage. Mm-hmm. And then Sauce Gardner, number one, he's going to be long gone before the Steelers are on the board, so I'm not going to waste time getting into him either. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, it's a good top five. Um, I think we had some better options last year, even in uh, Patrick Sertan, I think would still be the – top corner this year maybe sauce Gardner would fight him for that but 
uh, Sertan was definitely um, at, at least a good two, a good one A in this class. So it's interesting to watch these guys. Um, the back end of that, and then Andrew Booth as well has been mocked to the Steelers a lot in the middle of the of the first round. So he could be a Steelers target in round one. Let's talk a little bit more about him uh, because uh, you even had him mocked, I believe, to the Steelers in one of your uh, earlier uh, mock drafts. Is that correct? I did. Booth is definitely my favorite corner for the Steelers in this draft just because I think if the Steelers buy into some of the multiple schematic changes that could come with Terrell Austin and Brian Flores, they're not pure me and coverage guys, but they mix me and concepts in. And I think with a guy like Booth, if you allow him to follow just a team's number one receiver across the field and let him play on an island, I think he is that guy. I mean, he is the can be to the level – of a say a Marshawn Lattimore hmm. or a Tredavious White, he is that good. According, he's he is a lot more athletic than Tredavious White is. Well, I know Tony Pauling mentioned something about him potentially running four six. I just don't see that happening. I he looks fast on tape. Uh, there was the game against Ohio State. He got burned by Chris Lave a couple times, uh, but for the most part, his tape is really good. He's still a little bit raw, but I would if the quarterback is off the board, Booth would be my next choice for the Steelers in round one. He's the guy that the Steelers could potentially target is that first true lockdown corner the Steelers have had since like Taylor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm curious as to why you think he with that, um, that talent and that pedigree could fall to 20 because cornerback seems to be such a um, high profile position that NFL teams are wanting to snap up. What makes him available to the Steelers at 20? Well, I think inexperience is one. He didn't play a whole lot in 2020 on the outside. He, had, he only started in a few games. He played some in the slot. Of course, uh, they had Darian Kendrick there last year, who was the number one corner before he transferred to Georgia. They had a lot of depth at corner at Clemson, so he didn't really get a whole lot of opportunities to display his talents. I did, however, write a piece on him in the offseason uh, this past summer on Andrew Booth. So you can go and check that out. If you search for it on Google, I'm sure you can find it. Um, just a summer breakdown on Andrew Booth a little bit of a film breakdown and I loved what I saw and he is feisty in man coverage. He gets good position, the ball skills, he has them, but the production hasn't come yet, but I think that's going to come in time. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is that, and then the injury concerns, he has had some core muscle issues. Mm -hmm. So that combined with a certain level of inexperience and rawness at the position are probably why, but at the end of the day, if you have anyone in that room that can develop a stinking corner, this yeah. guy, I believe has a chance to be really special. Cool. And I think the Steelers do. I think they believe they do in, in Austin and Flores. And I know Flores will um, be coaching up the linebackers a lot, but he's going to be involved with every element of that defense. You can bet your right. money on that right now. Um, okay. So he's probably the only guy the Steelers uh, should or will target in the first round. I think Gardner and um, Stingley will be long gone. I think after Stingley's pro day where he ran the way he did, jumped the way he did, uh, that teams will not be concerned with the injury history and they'll look back at the uh, 2019 tape and they'll be like, yeah, we want this guy on our team. He's going early. He's got the size. He's got the skill. Um, we'll see if he can get himself back to 2019 form. Obviously that'll be the interesting uh, thing to watch, but um, yeah, Andrew Booth, I really like his potential in round one. If the quarterbacks are off the board or the Steelers have decided, Hey, we've got a lot of other needs other than quarterback. 
Let's roll more with what we got. Take a flyer late. Let's get some big time players early in this draft. I think Andrew Booth definitely could be that as well. Uh, you got some day two guys just real quick that um, you think the Steelers could have their eye on if they uh, stay, steer clear of cornerback in round one, that next wave of guys, who do you like? Most of my guys are really day three guys, but I'll give you one name, Marcus Jones from Houston, who's a slot cornerback. He could go at the late end of round two. I think he goes round three. If he happens to fall to the Steelers at 84, I could see the Steelers pulling the trigger. I believe they've met with him yes. at least once. I'm not sure if he's one of their official 30 visits or not. He might be, um, but uh, he's doesn't have a lot, whole lot of size, but he has the speed and he's feisty. He brings a lot of, of ability as a return man as well, but he is still very raw, still learning the position. You can tell that on tape. Sometimes he just loses awareness of where he is and covered relative to where his receiver is giving him a little bit too much room to work with. Uh, but Marcus Jones is definitely a guy who has a lot of upside very much like Mike Hilton. I believe that's the guy that Marcus Jones himself has said he kind mm-hmm. of models his game after. So that'd be an inter- interesting fit. And then Joshua Williams from Fayetteville state. Some people are projecting him as a safety. I see him more as a corner in a scheme that has a lot of off man and zone concepts, but he's got really late on day three or late on day two, early day three that maybe the Steelers would consider, but Steelers generally not drafting a whole lot of defensive backs from smaller schools. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think it, you and I both agree that if the Steelers are looking at, Hey, we're probably not going to take corner in round one. We're not going to get one of these guys that could be a potential lockdown corner. Um, then they probably need to go after a slot guy in the draft later on and pick up somebody in free agency um, that they think could could do that, could play that role, maybe even make a trade. I don't know. Um, but, you know, you've got Stefan Gilmore off the board now to the uh, Colts. Uh, I'm sure that was very disappointing for you, having been high on trying to bring him in. Um, yes. But do we agree the Steelers need to address cornerback in free agency more than what they have already if they're going to just uh, settle for a slot type guy in the uh, middle of the draft. I would agree, but Gilmore is really the main guy that was available. That could have been a true number one guy. Mm-hmm. The corner after him is really real. The corner group as a whole is just really, really thin right now in free agency. Maybe somebody becomes available when roster cutdowns happen, just kind of like when Joe Hayden became available. Sure. I don't see a whole lot of great options, but you definitely don't want to kill Witherspoon as your number one corner. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Mario Goodrich, the other um, Clemson cornerback played opposite uh, uh, Andrew Booth this last year. Uh, Not the fastest guy, but he's got um, some size and he's a physical corner, uh, an outside, an outside corner. He's got some upside too. I think uh, physically he could get stronger and he could get faster. Um, Six foot, 186 pounds right now. Uh, So, Decent size already. You'd want to add a little more weight probably. Um, but a guy that um, played in a good system, a system that puts out good cornerbacks, played next to a good cornerback. So he's seen a lot of good stuff. Uh, do you think he could be a, an interesting prospect for the Steelers maybe late on day two? He's a guy in zone press who I think he could develop into a really good zone press corner. Mm-hmm. I don't see him having the upside of a number one corner, maybe a number two. I don't, I'm not as quite a big a fan of him. I have, I'm probably going to have my final grades going to be probably in the fourth, fifth round range. I don't think he's going to go on day two. I know a lot of mock drafts have him that high, but he doesn't seem to be garnering as much interest just in terms of pre-draft visits. 
I can see I was in a live mock draft with 32 different um, people, some that used to work for SB Nation, uh, just a lot of different guys that pay close attention to their teams. And I believe Mario Goodrich fell like the seventh round, um, which was really surprising. I'm not saying that's going to happen in the draft, but I think he's a guy who's probably going to fall to at least the beginning parts of day three. Sure. Well, let's talk about day three then. Um, I know I've got a guy I like from Penn State, uh, Tariq Castro Fields. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on him. uh, And then let's go through your list of players too. I really like him. He has the inside outside versatility as well. He's feisty in man coverage. He's got good athleticism. I'm still digging into his tape. Um, there's a few times where he gets a little bit too grabby. Then there's other times where he plays a little bit too loosely, uh, kind of like what we talked about with Marcus Jones, sometimes just giving his receivers a little bit too much leeway, um, especially after like if he, he gets there's several plays in a row where he'll be really physical, almost drawing a penalty, almost to that level. And then he'll back off, but back off a little bit too much and be a little bit too lenient in coverage. Uh, just a little bit of inconsistency there, but a guy I definitely have my eye on. I'm just going to rush through some of these names. I got a lot. Jack Jones, who I mentioned before, has some yes. off the field issues, uh, but got his life together. I believe he made the Dean's list a year or two ago at Arizona State. Um, he's become a really good student athlete. Um, very good year at Arizona State, especially at the beginning of the year. Had a decent amount of passes defended this past season. The guy who I really like in the slot had a really good combine workout. Was trying to get him on the show and I thought we were going to, but it doesn't look like that's going to work out. But still, hope nothing but the best for him. Yep. Isaac Taylor Stewart, the guy who I gave the Steelers in the fourth round of my mock draft, he's an aggressive press man corner. He's got the size and the speed to become really dominant on the outside. But he, even though he can run stride for stride with just about any receiver and man, when he's on an island by himself, he lacks eye discipline. He looks back towards the ball at inopportune times. I can't even remember what game it was. I don't know if it was against Stanford or what. But he was going against two really big wide receivers that they had. One was 6'4", one was 6'5". And even though he has decent size himself, he was getting eaten alive, kind of getting pushed around. Uh, not quite as physical as what I was hoping for. Um, it, as some of it was just the other receiver, just the size they were able to box him out. wasn't necessarily that he got terrible position. It was just he wasn't big enough in that situation. But the other area I'm worried about, um, really outside the bigger wide receivers, is just that eye discipline and, you know, turning around at the right time, having that awareness, knowing where he is, you know, the opportunity, you know, where is the safety on that play? What is the quarterback scene, especially when I'm a man coverage and my back's to the ball, when is the most likely time for the quarterback to release the ball? That's not exactly the time you necessarily want to look back. You obviously don't want to draw any pass interference penalties, but several times when he looks back, he'll almost stop in coverage and then he'll end up getting torched over the top. So that's a concern I have, but he has a lot of talent. Damari Mathis from Pitt, Similar scenario, he can make some plays on the ball. I was really impressed with this tape. I was really surprised. Guy who can play corner or safety, um, aggressive corner, a little handsy at times. That's something that I'm a little bit concerned about just the way NFL officiating is now. But um, in the Pitt-Clemson game, um, I believe it was uh, – can't remember uh, – Todd Blackledge, who was announcing the game, he said he had talked to some people at Pitt that said that that could be – you know, the, it, a lot depends on how – the rest officiate the game that depends on their success because they play very aggressive with their cornerbacks. They play right up the line, a lot of press man coverage. Mm-hmm. Then Daryl Baker Jr., who we got to interview, we had a blast interviewing. Guy has fantastic athleticism. Go yes. out and check the interview for more information on him. TJ Carter, zone corner from TCU, transferred to TCU. I believe he transferred from Memphis. Guy who uh, he very inconsistent in coverage. But um, when he's at his best, he's one of the best nickel corners in all of football, even though he doesn't have great speed. 
Gregory Jr., one of my biggest sleepers from Awachita Baptist. He ran a 4.46 in the 40 at 5.11 and 7 tenths, 18 bench reps, 39 and a half inch vertical, 4.17 short shot, and a 6.97 in the three cone drill. Has the versatility to play inside or outside. Probably best in an outside role, to be perfectly honest. He has active hands at the line of scrimmage, bumps receivers off their route. Really like him. Fayon Hicks from Wisconsin, another uh, really good athletic uh, corner. Tony Adams from Illinois at 5'11", 203, ran a 4'47 in the 40, 406 in the short show, which is fantastic. 6'9", in the three cone draw, 41 half inch vertical, 130-inch broad jump. He's got a ton of talent, um, still a little bit raw. Um, but then Benji Franklin from Tarleton State, a guy, he may even go undrafted, uh, but he has really good athleticism, probably going to be limited to the slot due to size. Um, he has a good combination of quickness and speed. But the funny thing is, I believe he was the guy I was looking at. He only had two bench reps. And that, that is so Whoa. incredibly rare. <laughs> he had a 4-3-2. He ran a 4-3-2 in the 40, a 6-8-1, the three cone draw. And then you see two bench reps. I mean, it was just very weird. I'm not sure what the reasoning for that was. He's very mm-hmm. undersized. He's only like 180 pounds. Uh, but a guy later rounds, a guy you want to take a flyer, and he's got some talent. Trey Avery from Rutgers. Watch his game against Michigan. Had two passes defended. Got good position for the most part. There was one play where he gave the receiver too much room to work with. He didn't turn on the ball quick enough. Um, I think a lot of that was due to um, is just inability to with receivers that have in-breaking routes. He struggles to come back toward the ball. Not sure exactly why, because he has good athleticism. Ran a 6.76 in the three-cone, a 4.01 Ooh. in the short show, which is elite, elite, elite yep. numbers. Ran a 4.45 in the 40. Could be a really good slot corner. And then Christian Holmes from Oklahoma State. Not a super flashy guy. Didn't have a whole lot of ball skills at Oklahoma State. But if you paid any attention to o- the that OSU football, not your OSU, but OSU <laughs> down in Oklahoma, our defense is in all of college football, which is rare for any Big 12 team. He didn't make a ton of plays on the ball, but he was very sound in coverage and had a big part in their success in the secondary last year. So he's a guy, he's not going to excite you, but he's a guy who can become a really good depth corner, really good college player. Will he have the talent to succeed in the NFL? I'm not sure, but he's a guy just watching the tape in college. There's not a whole lot you can dislike. It's just not, you just didn't make a bunch of splash plays. Sure. Okay. So uh, I don't think you forgot anybody, did you? We went through every, uh, Went through every player at cornerback. I, I could go through a few yeah. more, but just check out the big board. As of right now, yeah. Um, I want I don't say we've got like 52 or 53 corners that are ranked. So yeah, there's a lot of guys in this class. It's a really deep class, like really like a lot of years. There's a lot of smaller school prospects mm-hmm. in the later rounds. And I know we've we've got, we're going over our time, and I apologize to Brian in advance, but there are so many names we could get into. We could talk about this for days. I mean, yes. there's so many guys that we will never talk about on the show. Uh, that and they'll that awesome. those guys will likely be the ones that the Steelers take, right? Because we never talked about them. Well, and at least we can discuss those guys after the draft. So I guess it will hey. be us out. Then maybe we'll have talked about everybody. That's right. Hey, it comes full circle in that case. That's awesome. Um, okay, so that is the cornerback room, uh, cornerback breakdown for uh, behind the steel curtain.com with the Steelers draft fix. Uh, before we go. I did want to uh, just encourage you uh, as a listener to go back and take a look at the interview podcast that came out uh, on Sunday. Just an absolute thrill, a, a lot of fun to do those interviews to get to meet these guys, uh, even just briefly uh, for Andrew and myself, um, but to talk with them and get to know them as people and also to uh, see what they bring from a personality and a, and a drive perspective to the field 
you're not going to want to miss that. Um, the three guys we talked to are fantastic, smart, physical uh, marvels that are ready to get out there and prove uh, what they can bring to a football field at the NFL level. So definitely check that episode out. Andrew, did you have any final thoughts before we send this one in? Just check out my sleeper articles. The first one's going to come out this week. Not sure if the second one will or not. I've got a lot going on this week, uh, draft related and uh, just some other things going on. Uh, but I love my sleeper articles for later round prospects. Be sure to check that out. And just a quick shout out to all the people on the BTSC big board, Ryland, um, Noah, Next Nation, uh, Skyfire322, some of our fans from the website that contribute to these articles, Doomzone FF, um, who does some of the proofreading for uh, SNW, who's one of the site moderators. Um, and then, of course, Jeremy and myself. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, um, but we just have a great crew on the big board. It's a, I mean, it is a lot of work, and it's not necessarily the articles that get the most views. But if you are a draft diehard, I'm sure you are enjoying these articles. And we're going to have a printable version, not of the analysis, but of just the rankings. We're going to try to have that out for you the day of the draft or the day before the draft. So much content coming out here. I'm not sure how we're going to get it all done. So I guess right. we need to end the podcast so that I can get back to work and we can start breaking down some more of these prospects. So uh, it was a fun episode, though. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh you know, stay tuned to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, stay tuned to this show. You can follow Andrew and myself on Twitter. We talk a lot of football there. Um, but we're going to stay with you guys through this process. And uh, we are looking forward to draft day in just a couple weeks. It's, it's right upon us. Uh, but it's that time. We're going to head out. We'll come back to you again next week, the week of the draft, uh, with some final for draft day. Um, my name is Jeremy Betts for Andrew Wilbar and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. This has been the Steelers Draft Fix. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next time.